Jesus, thank you so much that you are before the throne of God above pleading our case. Your shed blood being enough. You are enough, Jesus. Father, I pray that today that if anybody has come in here thinking that it needs to be you plus something else, that you would show them today that you are enough. Thank you for all that you've done, Lord. We love you, we trust you, and we thank you for these moments we have together. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat. Hey, before uh, I call you to grab God's word, um, you know, we're doing a baptism service today. Uh, just a little bit of a different Sunday. We're, this is my last Sunday that I'm going to be sharing God's word with you uh, as I'll start my sabbatical this week and I'll be back in August. But this past week we were um, reading in Hebrews 8 in the Bible reading plan for those of you that are, that are doing that. Um, and Hebrews 8 is all about the new covenant. And the new covenant that Jesus shed blood established, and you've been reading Hebrews 8, um, I've read much about that this past week, but, and I'll talk more about this later, but the heart of the new covenant is that for every single person who trusts in Jesus, everybody gets the same Holy Spirit. It's amazing. God himself Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, very God of very God, comes to live inside uh, of us. It's an amazing thing, and, and so I just thought it'd be a good week, along with the baptism service, just to share just a few testimonies uh, from, some, from a few people uh, that uh, have the same Holy Spirit living inside of them. Uh, the first one is going to be Zach Yoder, and then I'll have Alan come up afterwards. But Zach, if you want to come share, I asked Zach to... Uh, just share a little bit of his his story. He uh, come on, come on up on the stage, Zach, Katie too. Zach and Katie, give them a hand. They're coming up. Make them feel welcome. They had shared a little bit. They're, Zach and Katie are in our small church. Uh, I can't say enough about how thankful I am for Zach and Katie. Uh, they've you guys were started coming when when we were meeting at Newgrounds, yeah, back in the day and. And our small church, we were kind of struggling to find a place to meet. And I'm, I think you guys took a partnership class. And after that partnership class, I remember Katie, you just saying like, I don't know what we can do, but we can at least just open our home. And it, she was saying it like it was a small thing, but it's been the biggest of things. Like it's them just opening up their home every week for our small church to meet there. Um, it's just been great. And it was a couple weeks ago, at, at Zach shared a little something at small church. But I said, I'd really like for you to share that on a Sunday morning, and he didn't refuse me, so I appreciate that, but here you go, buddy. Go ahead. Um, <clears throat> a little nervous here, but we'll give it a whirl here. Um, when we first got married back in 2010, <clears throat> I just thought, you know, get married, have kids, raise a family, and God had other plans for us. Um, the doctor told me, I don't know, I can't pronounce the word that he called it, but he said I was born something with, like, every one and a couple thousand men are born with, and so I got lucky, I guess. Um, and Katie always had a dream of being a 
foster parent. So I was like, why not? We took classes, got licensed to foster. Um, and when we got Miles and TJ, it wrecked our world. Um, these were two little high energy boys that the first night I just went out in my little shop I had and I cried my heart out. Um, I, I told God there's no way I can do this. These kids are gonna run me over. Um, it's just, but he, he gave us the strength to do what we had to do. Um, and I wouldn't change it. It's been a very long journey. We've had kids in between our adoptions. Um, we've had babies that we held in our arms and cried that were going back to mom and it didn't make sense with the whole situation. And I shared this with my mom and she told me something that will always stick with me. She said that <clears throat> the reason those kids have come into our lives is later on in life, you can pray for them when you think about them. And when Eric asked me to share, I thought back on all those little babies that came in and left. And yeah, that makes sense now to me that why, why they came into our home every time I think about them. I can pray for them. I don't know where they're at. I don't know what's going on in their lives. Um, but they are on my heart. And uh, we had a little boy and girl for 19 months. Um, and we thought they were going to be with us forever. And they went back to mom and totally shattered my heart. Um, I thought I would never see them again. And within two, two years, two and a half years, we heard that they're back in foster care down in Florida. And we got um, a hold of the agency and said, we want them back, if at all possible. And they worked with us. But now there was three of them, and we had adopted Miles and TJ and Anna, and we didn't think we had room for three, but it worked out that the boy went to be with his uncle, or great uncle, and their family, and the two little girls are Myla and Audrey, and they came to be with us, and we we try to get them together with their brother as much as possible, but God just worked it all out. And we have our last adoption pictures in our kitchen on the wall. And I look at those and, you know, it is absolutely crazy how God worked it all out. From where we started, it has been a very long 11 years, but God works in such amazing ways to have these five kids in our lives, and I wouldn't change it for the world. I love them to death. And, you know, don't, don't ever, if you open your heart up to God, you got to let him work, and he will, 
he will do things way beyond what you ever whatever you ever think that he can do I wasn't sure if I wanted to say something but when I looked at it all of you huh, you so many of you have seen us at our very worst when we just couldn't you know we had hit rock bottom and you walked through us with that you've seen us at our best you've celebrated with us um I just, I can't thank all of you enough, and I'm so thankful that Jesus led us here. For family, there's so much family sitting over there. Um, there's a very special guest, and her name is Miss Val. She is mammy to us, but she took care of our boys before we even know they existed for two and a half years. And I know that Beth, Pappy would be so, so proud of you today, Miles, and I'm sure that he sees you. And I just want to thank all of you for being involved in our journey. It has been, it's had ups and downs. It's not all been perfect. And we're very, very, very imperfect people. Um, but God has done amazing things. And we're, we're just thankful to him. And um, if God ever lays on your heart to do something and it feels too big, just know that he will give you everything you need to go through it. God is good. It was, uh, yeah, it's just awesome to see that happen, guys, and I just can't tell you enough. Like, if you guys are, you know, when God speaks to you and he wants to do something in your life, the little phrase I always say is, when God um, conceives something in, in us, it's, it's conceived in intimacy, but then it's birthed in pain, okay? So sometimes God lays something on your heart, like, I want to do this, and it's it seems intimate, it's real, and we're like, oh, this is going to be great, and it is, but it's birthed then through pain, and, and you know, and it's, uh, I just want to say thank you to you guys for just walking through, you know, the last several years, as you said, um, haven't been easy, but you guys have done an amazing job, and just being, being faithful to what, to what God has for you, and I appreciate you guys sharing. Alan, if you want to come, I told Alan this past week, I'm used to Alan sharing on Sunday mornings, but just never when it's planned. So like, I, I don't know, I'm kind of, I don't know what's going to happen, because we actually planned this. Um, <laughs> so, no, this will be good. I love Alan, again, everybody, here's Zach and Katie and, and all you guys, but I am just thankful that God has made you part of our church, buddy. You share what God's laid on your heart. Well, first of all, I have to say hi to Myla, my, my blondie workout partner over there I see in the fitness center when mom drags her along and what was it the other day you didn't even get out of your jammies and you had to bring your blanket with you. Myla, what in the world? Oh, just if any of you want to volunteer, I am looking for volunteers who will begin to go hiking with me. Um, I've run through both of my sons, and now in the last two weeks, my wife, who is not impressed with the trails that I have picked, but we were in the Smokies, one of my favorite places to go, and I had talked her into going up to Mount LeConte on 
a path that not very many people go on, and that's an understatement. And as we were hiking up, we were going up Rainbow Falls, up to Rainbow Falls, which was about halfway, and that particular part of the route was fairly easy, not bad. It was the second half that my wife began to question me as she so often does when it comes to this kind of stuff. And we kept going and going. And what was a trail that was marked uh, rough, it was. And what should have maybe taken us, when I normally thought three or four hours, took us four and a half hours to go about seven miles up. And I, we would walk, and I would wait, and we would walk, and I would wait, and we would walk, and I would wait. I've learned not to say anything but just wait. Uh, because it normally gets me into trouble real quick. And uh, we got up to the top and had taken our lunch and were enjoying the scenery up there. It was a crystal clear day. Uh, you could see forever. And then we began to hike back down. And as we got to a certain point, the... Uh, there was a gentleman who was coming up another trail, and he said, oh, oh, I know you came up Rainbow Falls, but go down Bullhead. You'll really enjoy Bullhead because it's more scenic. It might be a little bit farther, but it's a, it's a lot more scenic. <laughs> I'm not sure how scenic what he was talking about because every step, you had to make sure that the stones weren't going to slip out from underneath of your feet, that you weren't going to flip your ankles. And again, what took should have been, in my mind, three hours, took an additional four and a half hours. We left the car that morning at quarter to eight, Got back down to the car at quarter after five. That's why I'm looking for a new hiking partner. <laughs> she goes, now I know why everybody goes up Alum Cave Bluff Trail. It's two miles each way shorter, and the elevation change is not nearly what it was. Oh, well. We lived to tell about it. I tell you that story because in many ways over the last two years, that's kind of the way my life has been physically. I know that I have shared at times with you guys about some of the consternations that I have gone through. It was interesting, almost two years ago, coming up, I was getting prepared. I was going to run some races, which I, do, I did. 
And I was running the Buffalo Marathon, and I could not figure out why I was, I mean, I got to the halfway point, and I thought I was going to die. I've never thought that I was going to jump out of a, a race at halfway through, but this particular one, I thought, oh, I and it, I, I, I did so horrible that my eldest son came back and looked for me and said, Dad, what's going on? <laughs> I was like, Drew, I'm toast. I could kind of relate to what my wife was going through about two weeks ago. I was toast. Well, short story, extra long, as I only can do. We were out in Colorado to visit a daughter. And while we were out there, I began to wake up in the middle of the night. And I just, if I wake up in the middle of the night, it's normally for one reason. And that's because I have to go to the bathroom. I was starting to get anxiety attacks. I've never had anxiety attacks. Never. It got so bad that we came home from Colorado early. Oh, and if, by the way, if you're in Frisco, Colorado, and you need a, an emergency room, they've got a beautiful facility there. <laughs> we came home early, and my wife goes, we've got to see the doctor. We've got to see the doctor. So we went up to my cardiologist, because I knew I had a mitral valve prolapse. And he goes, well, your anxiety attacks are a result of the mitral valve prolapse. Yeah, right. And so we said, hey, let's get, we need, you're going to need to have some surgery. Over the next few months, I was in six hospitals, three ambulance rides, three cardioversions, and a doctor's hospital bill probably approaching a million dollars. I had the surgery on the mitral valve. And everything was going well. I was in the crystal. I was up in the Cleveland Clinic, and uh, it was on a Monday afternoon. We had hiked the day before. We had hiked 17 miles the day before. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you're going to volunteer to hike with me, think about it. Um, <laughs> this was the day before my surgery. Tuesday, I was doing extremely well. I was into step down, thinking, okay, within a couple of days, I am out of here and back to normal. Well, as normal as I get. And my wife goes, you know, you're doing so well. I'm just going to go home. I'll be back tomorrow. Wednesday morning, I get up. 
I do. This is a guy who three days prior had just walked 17 miles. Now I'm in the hallway with a walker. Boy, if that, that isn't a trip and a half. Wednesday, my wife is coming up. She gets a phone call. She said, they called me and said, uh, Alan is back in the ICU. He's had a slight setback. She comes in. I don't remember 30 hours. I finally wake up, and I still to this day make a joke because some of the first two people I saw were banker Marion Troyer and Dave Coyle, and my joke is I didn't think I was going that direction. <laughs> the most scary was that when I totally woke up, here are all of my children. One from Chicago. One from Washington, D.C. One from Buffalo and one from Baltic. Later on, they went on to share with me the, the nurses and the doctors that came in and said, you know, you were gone for 15 minutes. It took us 15 minutes to bring you back around. You were dead for that long. And it was like, Really? They said, yeah, we had between 15 and 20 people in and out of your room to bring you back to life. That's weird when you're on my end of it. I want you to take a look real quick. Take a look at the book of Mark. It is here. I had it marked. Well, I can't. I'm drawing a blank. It's, it's at the point where we talk about the One of the what's one of the side effects of 15 minutes? My wife says, no, Alan, you were that goofy before. <laughs> but it's, it's talking about us as being ready. And having your house in order. It's having to do with 
Are you doing everything you can with everything you have? I make a, I kind of make a joke at times. It's a combination of not yet. Jesus and God, the Father, are having a conversation. And they're going, I thought you were going to take him out during that time. The other one looks back and says, don't you remember I said something to you? Not yet. Not yet. Thanks, Alan. If you got your Bibles, grab them, go to Hebrews chapter 8. I will keep this brief. Famous last words for a preacher, I know. But uh, just very briefly, I want to look at Hebrews chapter 8. Um, where again, if you're following along with the Bible reading plan, you would have been reading this past, this past week. just want to read a few verses. Hebrews chapter 8, verses 10, 11, and 12. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Father, thanks for your word. God, I do pray that you would just open the eyes of our heart, that we could see wonderful things from it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of you guys know I've got four boys. Um, boys are good. Boys are great. I'm sure girls are great, too. I just don't really know what that's like. Um, one of the benefits, or I thought would be one of the benefits of having all boys is that we should regularly be able to pass down clothes and shoes and shorts and stuff like that, you know what I mean? And so this spring, uh, the two younger ones are playing spring soccer up in Worcester, and, and I just figured all of our boys have played soccer, including those two, plus the older ones, like we've got to have some soccer shoes laying around somewhere. I should not have to buy new soccer shoes uh, for, for the eight-year-old. But, lo and behold, we have a bunch of soccer shoes, but none of them fit. Like, they're just always the wrong, they're just always the wrong size. And, uh, you know, these kids, even though they're all boys, they do come in all different shapes and sizes. Uh, but there was just nothing to, nothing, nothing to pass, nothing to pass down. And while, as a father, I'm all about the uh, hand-me-down or second-hand shoes or clothes, and stuff like that. One of the things that I would never want for any of my boys is to have a hand-me-down, second-hand relationship with one of them. And I say that this morning because that's essentially what the writer of Hebrews is talking about in these verses, is that men and women, for each and every single one of you, 
because of what Jesus Christ has done. You do not have to have a second-hand, hand-me-down relationship with your Heavenly Father. Jesus Christ came so that you yourself could know God. I would never want little Jordy or Finn or one of the younger ones to come and want to say something to me and go tell Rowan or Ephraim and say, well, you go tell dad this or you go tell mom this. I would want them to come to me themselves because they are all equally, even though they're different, they are all equally my children. They belong to me. I want a relationship with them. And I'm convinced that so many people think that they need to settle for a second-hand, hand-me-down relationship with God. That sometimes even as a pastor, uh, they definitely don't say this, but I kind of get this a lot. They come to me and they say things like, Pastor, if, like, if you'll pray for me. Like, you know, I've got, if you guys remember the old, you know, like the old school Batman. You know, and it would... And they, he had like the special red telephone, you know, that he could call the commissioner, the commissioner could call him. I'm not the only one with a special red telephone. You've got the special red telephone. You've got a direct line of communication with your heavenly father if you have trusted in Jesus Christ. And the whole point of salvation is that you yourself can know God. He saved you out of your sin. He saved you from your sin, but he saved you for a relationship with him. And as I said earlier, the same Holy Spirit that lives, that, that lived in Jesus, that lives in the greatest man of God, or whoever it is that you, you hold up as that guy, that godly man or that godly woman, the same Holy Spirit, if you've trusted in Christ, lives in you. And I'm convinced that the primary reason, there are many of them, but the primary reason why the church of Jesus Christ is not more awakened and does not walk in the fullness of all that God has for us and in all the promises of his word and of the abundant life that he calls us to. And again, not talking at all about any sort of financial, you know, physical prosperity, but the financial of, of spiritual blessings or the, the abundance of spiritual blessings that he has for us is because by and large, God's people do not understand that they have a direct line of communication with their Heavenly Father. And that the same Holy Spirit that lived in Jesus lives in each one of us, and this is exactly what Jesus Christ came to purchase and came to give us. You do not have to settle for a second-hand, hand-me-down relationship with our Heavenly Father. And I want to give you just three brief reasons this morning. Just three, I promise I'll keep them short. Kind of like markers, if you will. Markers. As to what it looks like when you have a new covenant relationship with God. Where you have trusted in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Three marks of what that should look like. Number one. Obedience is not just a command from without, but it is a compelling from within. Obedience to God's word, to his law, it's not just a command from without. We read his word, his commands stand, the law is holy and righteous and good. But it is not just a command from without, but it is a compelling from within. 
verse 10, the word of God says, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. And this is a quote from the book of Jeremiah. Again, people living under the old covenant (coughs) before the blood of Christ had been shed. But God prophesying this day through the prophet Jeremiah that this time was coming after the blood will have been shed. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. He says, I will put my laws into their minds and I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. That the heart of the new covenant is that God is now going to take his law and put it not on stone tablets. Again, the old covenant, Mount Sinai, written with the finger of God on stone tablets. All sorts of power displayed. The people of Israel saw God do all the plagues in Egypt. They plundered the Egyptian people. God brought them out miraculously, leading them by a pillar of cloud, by fire. They saw the Red Sea parted. They saw Pharaoh's army destroyed in the Red Sea. They come out to Mount Sinai. There's thunder and fire and smoke and earthquake. There's a loud trumpet blast. They come to this mountain because God himself had somehow in some form come down on this mountain. They saw all these miraculous things. You could not get more supernatural outwardly than what the people of Israel experienced. Yet it was not enough because the root of sin is in the human heart. It's not outside, it's inside. And so the new covenant that God came to give us, he says, is that when the blood has been shed, and this is what it talked about earlier in the, in the chapter and earlier in the book of Hebrews, is that when Jesus, as the better high priest, comes and sheds his blood, that now that which is holy, God himself, the same holy God who came down on the mountain, but before we couldn't get that close to him, otherwise we would die because of our sinfulness. Now that the blood has been shed, that which is holy, God himself can now dwell with that which is unholy, you and I. And the law is written on our hearts because the lawgiver himself lives inside of us, lives in our hearts. And I say this because I am convinced that many people, again, settle for just knowing a lot about God rather than actually knowing God. They settle for a second-hand, hand-me-down relationship where they hear about what other people say and they hear other people talk that have a relationship with God. But they themselves do not know Him. And so we pretend. Do you know what's much, much, much better than pretending to love God? Is actually loving God. And the reason, the way that you come to have the Spirit of God live inside you, His law written on your hearts, is by acknowledging that you don't love God. See, this is the heart of sin, that each and every single love one of us has loved other things more than Him. It's not just about what you do outwardly. The reason you do the bad things outwardly that you do is because you have a love problem. Jesus, says, if you, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey my commandments. The reason we don't obey His commandments, the reason that we sin is because we don't love him. Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And every single one of us has loved other things more. This is what we ultimately need to repent of. But if we do that, if we acknowledge our sin of loving other things more than God, that's repentance and trust in him, understanding that we need forgiveness of sins, then he comes and he lives inside of us and he gives us a new heart. And he writes it, he writes his law on our minds and on our hearts. And he causes us to be his people. 
You don't have to pretend, folks. Probably the greatest thing, in fact, I talked about this with the, some of the guys yesterday at the, at the men's prayer breakfast that we had, is, and I think, again, in God and his sovereignty, a lot of it is just because I grew up in this area, and, uh, and I was this guy for a long time, and I know that there's a lot of this that goes on. But my heart breaks, breaks for what I would call the religious lost. That you have grown up in church your entire life, but you do not know Jesus as your Savior. And my heart breaks for you because that life is exhausting. It is exhausting to pretend, absolutely exhausting. Jesus Christ did not shed his blood so that you'd have to pretend. One of my boys, I need to be very careful in this illustration. It is not one of my boys, but one of my boys has a friend who has a mom. And the mom thinks that the boy loves what she packs in his bucket every day for school. And so she packs the same thing every day. Every day. And every day during lunch, the boy just throws it in the trash. Now there's part of this that's very noble because he does not want to hurt his mom's feelings, right? But he does not tell her. <laughs> and every day, she packs the same thing. And every day, he just throws it away. And I'm assuming he goes home and, oh, how was lunch today? And she's looking, oh, he, he ate all his lunch again. And he just doesn't, he just doesn't tell her. Again, it's not a perfect analogy, but in that analogy, because he's pretending, he, he usually goes hungry. Folks, you don't have to go hungry. Just be honest. Start by admitting that maybe you don't love him. But what you've been doing is just playing a religious game your whole life. And that you're tired. And that you want to you wanna love him. But you need him to do a work in your heart to cause you to love him. Because every one of us has loved other things more. But when we've trusted in Christ, yes, we still disobey. We still have a sinful nature. I don't have time to go into all this, but... But it's not just a command from the outside, it's a compelling from the inside. The Holy Spirit compels us to walk in his truth. The second mark of the new covenant is that you begin to talk about God like you've seen him. Not just that you heard about him, or that you read about him. We talk about it like we saw it, not just that we read it. Um, if you look at verse 11... He says, and they shall not teach each one his neighbor and each one his brother, saying, know the Lord. There's two no's here I want to point out. Know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest. Okay. Now, the beginning of verse 11 says, they shall not each one teach his neighbor. Uh, again, as we interpret scripture with scripture, we're commanded, I mean, uh, we're commanded to teach the gospel, to teach each other. There's teaching gifts um, in the Great Commission. Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. All, all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey. So it's not that we don't teach, but what he's talk, talking about 
uh, in, in, in this place is that in the Old Testament, it was the Spirit of God would only come upon certain people at certain times and certain places and for certain situations. And so you have these men like Moses and like David and like Joshua and like Elisha that the Spirit of God would come upon. But even the people of God under the Old Covenant, you were always saved by grace through faith. Nobody's ever been saved through the law, okay, ever. Um, it's always been by grace through faith, but the heart of the New Covenant, again, is that now the Holy Spirit will come to live e in, inside each one. And so, but when he says here, no, that first no is this Greek word that I've shared with you many times. It's this word gnosko. It's the difference between knowing math and knowing a person, between knowing, uh, knowing statistics and knowing your wife or your husband. That's the first word for know. They shall all know the Lord. And then he says, for they shall all know me. That word know there, you, it's not the word gnosko. It's literally the word for see or to perceive. The point being here is that this is why the Bible talks over and over and over again that when we come to know God, that what we're coming, uh, the, the way that the Bible describes our coming to know him is as a seeing, that we were blind and now we see, that the eyes of our heart would be open, that we actually see it, that we see him for who he is, that we see his goodness for who he is, that we, we see our sinfulness in light of who he is. You know, one of my favorite stories in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, Jesus heals a man born blind from birth. And the Pharisees are having a really hard time with this. They're all bent, they're, they are the religious lost in that story. They're all bent out of shape about this. And they come to the man born blind, and it says, so for a second time, they called the man who had been blind, and they said to him, give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner, speaking of Jesus. And the man born blind answered and said, whether he's a sinner, I don't know. Again, this guy had not seen his entire life, but now he saw. He goes, whether he's a sinner, I, I don't know. But one thing I know, one thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Now I see. And this is the heart of the new covenant, guys. So remember a couple weeks ago, Jonas was talking in the book of Acts about being a, a true witness or a false witness, okay? Um, if you guys remember that, that, that scene from A Few Good Men, the old movie with uh, Jack Nicholson and uh, um, Tom Cruise. Anyway, I might have dated myself. Anyway, but A Few Good Men, th there's this one court scene. The whole thing is about, you know, th this, this court trial that's happening. And there's, the, there's these two Marines who... Uh, had been given an, an order to do something shady uh, from the top colonel guy, Colonel Jessup. And they were, they were both acting as witnesses. And they said, yeah, you know, Colonel Jessup told us to do this, and so, so that's why we did it. And, but they put the one guy on the stand. And, and, and the, the prosecutor was cross-examining this guy, and you know, he's like, did, did you actually hear him? Did you actually hear him? And, and anyway, through some you know, tricky questions and stuff like that, come to find out that these two people that said, yeah, Colonel Jessup gave this order, to, to do this thing to this, this other guy. The one, he never actually heard it. He only heard what his superior, this other Marine, had said. And so his testimony was false. It was, it was kicked out of court. And it did a lot of damage to the other side that was trying to work to set these guys free. The point being is that many times we talk about Jesus, we talk about our relationship with God as, it's, as though it's something that we just heard about, that we just read about. And yes, we, we read the Bible. I'm not knocking the Bible in any way, shape, or form. You guys know that. The Word of God is inspired and it's true. But the reality of salvation 
is that this word wants to come alive in you. God wants you to know him yourself. Not just that, well, it must be true because so-and-so told me it's true. And I'm asking you this morning to just be honest right where you sit. Have you seen him? I'm not talking about having some sort of a crazy vision or writing in the sky, but have the eyes of your heart been opened? Do you yourself know Jesus? It's not enough that your mom and dad knows him, that your son or daughter knows him, that your friend knows him, that your grandma knows him, that your grandpa knows him. Do you know him? I hope that you do, and I trust that you do, and I am the judge of no one's heart. But I've lived here long enough to know there are a lot of people that play games. And again, I'm not mad at you. My heart breaks for you. Because it's exhausting. We'll talk about him like we've seen him and not just read about him. And then third... This might seem like it comes out of nowhere, but just look at verse 12. That the third mark of the new covenant Jesus came to bring is that we will have an ever-increasing amazement at the forgiveness of our sins. Ever-increasing amazement at the forgiveness of our sins. Verse 12. Continuing to quote from Jeremiah, this is what God says about the new covenant. He says, For I will be merciful towards their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. The people getting baptized this morning, if I'm not mistaken, Daniel's 20, Miles is 11, and Ashley is 10. I'm almost 40. Here's one thing that I'm certain of, is I have sinned a lot more than they have just by the sheer math of it. At the closest one, I'm, I'm twice as old, 20 years older than, than Daniel. And as I continue to walk with Jesus, as I continue to try to follow him, I do so imperfectly. And as I continue to follow him, I am continually more and more and more and more grateful that he continues to forgive my sin. And the Apostle Paul dealt with this over and over and over again in his ministry. I don't have time to take you to all the places. He dealt with this in Galatia. He deals with it much of the letter to the Galatians. In Romans chapter 3, he deals with it. In Romans chapter 6, he deals with it that Paul was preaching this pure, undefiled gospel. That salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And so the accusation that people, that Paul's opponents would make against him, is they would say over and over again, Paul, if, okay, well, if I'm just only saved by grace, then let me continue in sin that grace may abound, right? 
I mean, if I'm saved by grace, I guess I might as well just go ahead and do whatever I want. And of course, that's false. Paul would, he answers that in many different places, but in Romans chapter 6, he says, you know, you know, as people say, let us continue in sin that grace may abound. He says, may it never be. How can we who died to sin still live in it or for it, to it? Um, because again, these other realities that I already spoke of are true, that the Spirit of God is in us. He does compel us to walk in obedience, although not perfectly in this life. Um, and we do know him. We have a relationship with him. But if you truly know Jesus as your Savior, I don't care how long you've walked with him. One of the marks that you truly know him is that you will continue to have an increasing amazement at the forgiveness of sins. Let me say it this way. If you have an increasing indifference to the forgiveness of sins, I don't know that you know him. It is totally by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But when we understand that, we grow in an amazement that he continues to remain faithful, even when we're not. Again in verse 12 he says, for I will be, I will be merciful towards their iniquities. And I will remember their sins no more. That word remember, probably pretty understandable, but it's, it's the idea of being reminded over and over. Every day, I sin. Every day there are moments where I do not love the Lord my God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And whether... I sit in that for a while and then end up sinning outwardly, saying something I shouldn't, doing something I shouldn't. Every day, I give God reasons to be reminded of my sin. But because of what Jesus Christ has done, every day, God the Father is reminded of what Christ has done for me instead. It's what we sang about earlier. Before the throne of God above, we have this high priest who stands and makes intercession for us. And I'm amazed that he just never stops. He never gives up on us. He continues to stand as a faithful high priest offering his shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And I want us as a church to be increasingly amazed at this reality of the forgiveness of sins that Christ came to bring. Worship team, come up and we're going to wrap up real quick and we'll have the baptism service here in just, just a second. If you guys are getting baptized, if you want to sneak out the back, into the back hallway there. I'll call you out in just a second. But folks, if you would this morning, would you just bow your heads with me and just close your eyes?
and I'm not asking for a raise of hands. I'm not going to ask you to walk an aisle. But I just want to ask you to be honest right where you sit. And I'm asking you, not the person next to you, not the person that you think needs to be hearing this, but you. Do you know God as your Father? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you know the Holy Spirit because He lives inside of you? Do you love God? Or are you just pretending? your relationship would it be best described as a second hand hand me down relationship always feel like you're on the outside looking in or do you know him does the truth that salvation is by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone Does that make you indifferent to your sin? Or does that make you amazed that he continues to forgive your sin? Just trust him this morning. Just trust him. Just trust him. There's nothing you can do to earn it. Salvation is a free gift that can only be received by faith. Jesus Christ did all the work. And he offers you eternal life. Just trust him. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Jesus, for what you came to do. I thank you that in just a few minutes, Father as we proclaim the word through this ceremony, through this act that you've given us. I pray that as we see these three go under the water and come back up, Father, I pray for each one of us witnessing it, that we would have a fresh illumination and revelation of the cleansing power of your shed blood. pray that we would again be amazed if we've not been recently of how you wash away all our sin we thank you for your faithfulness in the difficult times Lord as Zach and Katie shared this morning we thank you Lord for the second chances that you give as Alan shared the grace of another day We love you, Jesus. We pray that you would have your way in us today as we worship in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys stand with me, please.